2: right rug flooring.
3: Hello, puzzlers, and welcome to the Puzzler Podcast, your daily saffron-infused cocktail for the mind. I'm your host, AJ Jacobs, and I am here with Chief Puzzle Officer Greg Pliska, who has emerged from his dank... A puzzle dungeon. (laughs) Did we decide it was a dungeon?
4: (laughs) (laughs) I didn't know it was dank, but thank you. (laughs) It's more of a laboratory. It's certainly not, you know, overfilled with saffron-infused cocktails.
3: (laughs) Well, for the mind, it is. uh, Well, welcome. I'm delighted to have you back.
4: It's great to be let out of the (laughs) the dank dungeon once in a while. Um, I
3: hear you have a puzzle that you have cooked up, especially for me, in that said dungeon.
4: I do. Do you have your uh, your luggage packed? Uh,
3: I can do it really quickly.
4: Because we're going to do a little traveling, but actually we won't have to leave home.
3: Aha! Love it.
4: Because this quiz is about toponyms, words that are derived from place names like champagne or sandwich or bohemian. But since they're all words that have come into English as uncapitalized words now, uh, we don't have to travel anywhere. We don't have to go to the places. I'll just give you... The origins of these words, and you try to tell me what the word is that I'm I'm clueing for you.
3: Interesting. Okay, I like it. I like it, and I like a toponym. I like a toponym. My favorite nim, by the way, is an aptonym. Are you familiar with Ooh, the aptonym?
4: An aptonym is
3: the uh. it's a um, name that fits with what it refers to. So. The one I used, this is not a great example, but I used it a couple of weeks ago with my son, who likes Taylor Swift, because she puts out albums so quickly, she is actually Swift, Taylor Swift. Oh, I see. They're better examples.
4: One of my favorite words is a self-referential word. It's the word sesquipedalian.
3: Oh, that's a classic.
4: Right? We're characterized by using long words, and it is itself a long word. Right.
3: And then there's the other way, like the monosyllabic, which is not monosyllabic.
4: Yep, 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 yep. Well, that
3: is some good Uh, word nerding out, I have to say. We
4: can do that all day, but (laughs) this is just a saffron-infused cocktail, not not a whole (laughs) flight of drinks.
3: Oh, last thing before Usain Bolt. That is an excellent aptonym.
4: That is the best. Yeah, it's like he had to become the... You know, there's also the name of the guy who purportedly invented the toilet, of course, Thomas Crapper. Right, exactly.
3: Although, was that um, the cart before the horse or like did they call it? I don't know. Who oh, no. Uh All right. Anyway,
4: back to toponyms. Love it. I'll explain the origin of a word and you tell me what the what the word is. Your first one, in 490 B.C., a messenger named Pheidippides ran some 25 miles from this town to the city of Athens in order to announce the Greek victory over the Persians.
3: All right. I think I got it. It threw okay. me off a little with the 25 because as I understood it, nowadays at least, it's like 26 plus, not even yep. 26. It's 26, whatever, point two. Is it marathon?
4: It is marathon, marathon Greece, and um, it's a roughly, I said, you know, roughly twenty-five mile journey oh, he r- ran, okay. and that became the distance that we use to run a marathon
3: today. Excellent,
4: thanks to the ancient Greeks.
3: I do have this piece of trivia, which may or may not be true. Andrea can check it, but I do remember it from when I read the encyclopedia that the point two miles was added during the London Olympics because the queen wanted to sit in a particular place in the stadium perhaps it was shaded so they had to lengthen it from 26 miles so that's the story we're going to find out later that could be
4: how it got to, that could be that could be true or we could have just been making it up all right here's uh, here's another one for you parisian designers in the 1940s were engaged in some professional one-upmanship attempting to produce the world's skimpiest beachwear one designer came out with a suit so tiny he called it the atom, but it still covered the belly button. So his rival, revealing that area as well, claimed to have split the atom and thus named his suit for the location where American nuclear testing had begun a few days earlier.
3: I love that fact. And it's also very dark for something that is like a supposed to be fun summer swimwear. Uh, bikini, the Bikini Atoll.
4: Bikini Atoll in the in the Marshall Islands. Yes, exactly. It is a it is a, you know taking something that was sort of a, a, a dark beginning to the uh, nuclear age and uh, <laughs> turned it into a cool swimsuit.
3: I think things back then, like you know, nuclear fission and fusion, was funner Were more fun. You know, they didn't. I don't, <laughs> I don't think they. I don't know. Maybe not.
4: All right, well, let me give you another one here. This was a city-state in ancient Greece that was known for its architectural achievements, including the columns that sit atop the taller main columns in a classical facade. The area behind these upper columns was named for this region, which is where we get a word for a similar area in a modern house.
3: Oh, my God. Well, okay, the modern house, I was... I was drawing a blank. I was freaking out there for a minute, but then the modern house gave me like, okay, maybe I got it. Uh, my guess is attic, attic, because that uh, sounds Greek. Yes. Is that it?
4: Exactly. It is the attic. Comes Whew. from the place Attica, uh, which is also in Greece. In fact, I think Marathon might have been a town in Attica.
3: Look at that. That is interesting. They must have. They must have talked about you know someday. We're both going to be common nouns.
4: Exactly. <laughs> there was a race. Who could be a common noun first? <laughs> All right. I'll give you one more Great. to wrap this up. This type of men's formal wear originated in the 1880s with the Prince of Wales, but soon became fashionable in a wealthy enclave for New York's social set, the village from which it gets its name.
3: Oh, man. Okay. You got me. Wait, one more time, real quick.
4: So it's a type of men's formal wear right. that actually dates back to the 1880s, but it became fashionable in a wealthy enclave uh, for the social set of New York City. Okay. Uh, and it's named for the village.
3: I feel better. Because I was, I was just driving north uh, this weekend, and I passed Tuxedo Park.
2: So yep.
3: So I'm guessing that is, that is good.
4: That's where we get the name Tuxedo.
3: This is a... I love this game because I learned. I learned so much. It's educational. It's edutainment. You've created edutainment.
4: That's us right here on the Puzzler Podcast. That's right.
3: Well, do you have an extra credit for us, for the puzzlers at home, perhaps?
4: Yes, I have a a bonus for puzzlers at home. The Icelandic word for gush was used to describe a particularly active spring that shot water high into the air. It also happened to be one of the first of this kind of feature that was encountered by Europeans and thus became the English word that we use for one of these naturally occurring water spouts.
3: All right, there you go. I have a theory, but I'm not gonna say it until uh, much, much later. And before we go, two quick things. One, Andrea, did I totally make up that marathon fact?
1: You did not totally make up that marathon fact. Uh, So at the 1908 London Summer Olympics, the distance was changed to 26 miles. So the start would be beneath the windows of the Royal Nursery.
3: (laughs) That's so rude. I have to say that is some royal entitlement. Uh, I do not approve that they changed the length of a race just so that their babies can hear it. I don't know. Seems wrong to me, but I'm just one man. Uh, Thank you all for joining. Don't forget to subscribe to the Puzzler Podcast, and we will see you here tomorrow for some more puzzling puzzles that will puzzle you puzzlingly. Hello,
4: puzzlers. This is your chief puzzle officer, Greg Pliska, and I've come out of the puzzle lab one more time to give you the answer to last episode's extra credit puzzle. We played an odd one out game with Mo Rocca in which every clue was a set of four words or phrases, one of which did not belong. Of course, your job is to figure out which one does not belong from this list scold, swarm, snippy, and school. I bet many of you got this one. The odd one out is swarm, all the other answers are the letter S stuck on the front of a word meaning cold, scold, snippy, as in nippy, and school, cool plus S. Swarm, of course, is S plus warm. I hope you stay warm and enjoy the rest of the Puzzler. See you next time. Thanks for playing along with the team here at the Puzzler. I'm Greg Pliska, your Chief Puzzle Officer. Our executive producers are Neely Lohman and Adam Newhouse of Newhouse Ideas and Lindsay Hoffman of iHeart Podcasts. The show is produced by Jody Avergan and Brittany Brown of Roulette Productions. Our associate producer is Andrea Schoenberg. The Puzzler with A.J. Jacobs is a co-production with Newhouse Ideas and is distributed by a COD therapist. No, not really. Distributed by iHeart Podcasts. Just rearrange the letters. If you want to know more about puzzling puzzles, please check out the book The Puzzler by A.J. Jacobs, a history of puzzles that the New York Times called fun and funny. It features an original puzzle hunt by yours truly and is available wherever you get your books.
2: Right Rug Flooring.